and welcome to the 43rd episode of Total Pop Mode, your weekly gaming comedy podcast. My name is Will, and I also go by Hoodafunk, and I'm joined here by my good friend, co-host, and fellow gaming enthusiast, James, aka Mr. Bames. What's going on, you octagonally organised ocelots? Coming up this episode, we've got our weekly regular games catch-up, followed by all the latest news from the Summer Games Fest 2023, and we'll be rounding off the episode with Undertale part two the finale but before we get into all of that let's crack on with the socials you can as always find the podcast on spotify apple podcasts and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for total pop mode we also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on Twitter by searching for at Total Pod Mode, or one word. And whilst you're there, you can find me at Mr. Bames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Mr. Bames underscore TPM. And you can find me at Hoodafunk on Twitter, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. Okay, man, I think it's about time we got on with the catch up. So James, what have you been playing this week? Well, Will, before I tell you what I've been playing this week, I have a take back and an apology. Oh geez, we're starting off right and early. We are. My apology is to you. Oh wow, okay. Uh, I'll prepare myself. What's this? Because just before we started recording, you asked me if I had any surprises that are this week, and I said no. You lied! I lied to you. (laughs) I lied to your face, pretty much. Liar! I did, in fact pick up Diablo 4 this week. Ah, did you now? <laughs> I did. Ah, do you know, I honestly, I thought that may be the case. I had a little sneaking suspicion. <laughs> Very good, man. So my take back is, you may remember a few weeks ago, I said that I thought that Diablo 4 was going to be sh- and I had no real reason why. I just had a feeling That's it the was. take back. <laughs> That's my take back from the hours I've put in this week. It is very, very good so far. Fantastic. Well, I'm pleased to reveal yeah. to you, I did also pick up Diablo 4 this week. So it sounds like our catch-up is going to be, uh, you know, on a shared game this time around. Absolutely. I did tell you earlier that I played a little bit of Skyrim and stuff, but that was really a cover I have, but... This oh, is, I this see. Is the a most little cover story. This is most yeah, very non-specific on your Skyrim things. No. So, how many hours <laughs> have you put so far into Diablo? Uh, I don't know because it's not on Steam, so it doesn't track it. <laughs> it doesn't tell you. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. Probably twenty. Okay. Hours, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good amount of time. Yeah, probably a little more than I have. Have you spread it across many different characters, or have you stuck to one guy and progressed the campaign? It's kind of all on the same character, but not at the same time. I basically I'm doing sorcerer. Okay. Made cool. made like a really badass looking guy, and then got to about level 25 with him and decided they didn't like his name right so so deleted him renamed him more appropriately (laughs) and started again you know what i had a similar story to that it was obviously without such ramifications on playtime but i literally did the very same thing i created a character immediately got past the first cutscene and was like damn i need to rename this exactly I hope we don't find out that uh, later down the line they're going to make that super easy to rename your character, but I couldn't find any way to do it in the game. No, exactly. So it had to be done. And it also gave me an opportunity. I knew a bit more of the game there. I knew the sorcerer a bit better. So I was actually able to like sort of carry on and just sort of starting again. Not quite respec, because you can basically respec when you want anyway. But I sort of did it a bit better the second time around, if you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always good to have that hindsight there. Yeah, exactly. You did mention there that you made a guy, and I just wanted to touch on this briefly, that there is actually a little bit more of a character creation suite than there is in Diablo 3 as well. A lot more. It's far from perfect, but it is a big step for the franchise in terms of the customization for the characters that you're able to do, and wholly appreciated by me. My guy really does feel like my guy now, exactly. rather than uh, just like a person of four or five available characters. 
Exactly. I mean, as you say, it's not perfect. And I have been on this show on record saying that I dislike character creators where you just have set faces. But again, as you say, for Diablo, I don't recall ever having this sort of option before, ever. Don't think Diablo yeah, no, 3 had any sort not. of customization from what I remember. Diablo's 1 and 2 certainly didn't. Barely any. It was very, very basic. Nowhere near as... To say in-depth is obviously an over-exaggeration, yeah. but for this franchise, it really is the best it's ever been. Comfortably, and that actually leads very nicely onto another thing that I've really enjoyed about the new Diablo, which is the use of cutscenes. Yeah, the seamless transition between cutscenes is really cool. I really like that effect. Yeah, and also graphically, it looks really amazing. Like you get that cutscene right at the start where you when you get poisoned and then you're just drinking with all those people and it's jokes. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. The game has a good sense of humor in it. I'm right there with you in terms of the cutscenes and the graphics. There it is yeah. the best the game's looked, and it's less sort of colorful in a way when I would compare it to Diablo Three. But I think it's a bit more muted. Although the definition of everything and some of the environments are fantastic. I'm walking around at the moment in some grasslands and it looks amazing. And when you go into some of the hellscapes and you see like the tentacles reaching over the ledges of the stages, it just looks so good. It's the best it's ever looked by a long shot. Like some of the floors look like you're walking on almost like insect web sacks because you almost see it sinking as you walk across it. It's really cool. The other thing is the quality of life additions they've put in just make so much difference. I mean, now you don't have to worry about pissing around with identification scrolls and town portal scrolls, but the mechanics for both those things are still in the game. It just does it. They automatically identify items as you pick them up now, which is really handy. It just saves yeah. an extra task whenever you go back to the village. Yeah. And the town scroll is just permanently bound to T. You don't actually have to pick up scrolls and stuff. It's similar on a controller as well. I think yeah. you just press it down on the D-pad and you teleport exactly yeah just makes life so much easier and in terms of the character classes so it sounds like you've gone for a sorcerer i went for the uh i started off actually as a druid character because i started playing this game through with liam yeah and one of them you transform into a werebear and you've got sort of like large sweeping attacks the other one you transform into a werewolf and I really like the fact that you can seamlessly transform between those two types in the middle of combat Yeah. have you seen that yourself in terms of the way it works it's a very like smooth transition between whenever you start your attack you'll immediately kind of teleport into it and then after maybe a few seconds of not attacking anything you go back into your human form no, I've not seen the Druid, but I've read a lot about it because I was sort of thinking about doing that. But I've seen the Barbarian, which has a slightly similar mechanic, I think, where they can seamlessly transfer between three different weapon types or something. Yeah, you can use those stats to your advantage loads as well. It's really, really good. The Barbarian is actually where I've been putting the weight of my gameplay into it, though. I've been starting a solo Barbarian playthrough now. Oh, nice, yeah. Both the runs I've done have been Sorcerer so far. First one, a little bit of Electricity, a little bit of Frost. The second one, which I'm currently playing, Pure Frost. Nice. Is there like a Hyper Beam? type move or is that electricity only i just remember the <laughs> kind of electric blast that was in diablo 3 that was always a big favorite of mine yeah and mine too no i think that there's a fire beam i think okay, as part okay. of it well, but fire beam's still pretty cool but there's a move called ice shards which basically does the same thing it's not constant fire. but fire. you have just fire away and it's just a big old beam of ice and the good thing about this build is obviously you slow people down you freeze people it's really handy but now that i'm getting a bit more powerful i'm about level 32 somewhere around that ballpark and i've now got basically my full arsenal or getting there and i can now do the passive buffs as well 
my characters now are just becoming quite powerful and it's very nice. But this game is good at keeping you on your toes. Everything scales to your level, apart from areas that are higher than your level. Yeah, so you're never yeah. like rushing through an area just feeling like you're crushing stuff, which is cool. I've got to say, actually, though, I have been kind of feeling like that. I feel like I might need to up my world level to the second tier because I've started off on the first one. Oh, and fair, uh, yeah. it does seem very easy. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even bother with that. I went straight into veteran tier because I've played all Did of you? Yeah. I've played all of them. So I should really be starting in there. And also, it said you get more experience. So yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. That is a big temptation there. Yeah. I suppose in my mind, because of the fact you can change your world tier at any time, yeah. I was kind of thinking, what's going to get me through the campaign the quickest so that I can actually get to end game and we can start getting into that sort of stuff, which is the thing I really want to get my teeth into. Like I've barely started the campaign. I've been doing side quests. There is a lot of side quests in this game, but they're yeah. all pretty rewarding as well. They're quite easily dotted around some of the towns. Some of them are very simple to start with. I think one of them just involves you cheering to a yeah. crowd of people. And there's another one where you, I think it's, it might not be cheer again, but you do another remote to a sign and that's just like, well, right, okay. that's, that's your mission and you get a chest for it. So there's cool stuff like that. Yeah, but then you've got missions where you have to go do it. Have you done a stronghold yet? Uh, No, I've yet to get to any oh, of those. Dude, it just I've, sounds like a big dungeon. Well, it's a big overworld thing and you get like missions in it, but every the enemies are scaled two levels above you. Oh, okay. Cool. So the actual missions themselves are relatively tough. Lots of mobs, but cool stuff going on around it. And then certainly the two I've done, the boss you get to at the end is... Well, I say that one of them was really, really tough. I did second time because the first time I got rinsed and I was like, okay, this is going to be another tough one. Then for some reason, I just beat it really quickly. Switched on that time. Well, yeah, maybe. Or maybe I just got a bit luckier. I, mm, you know, there's mm. a lot of moving and firing stuff as a mage, sorcerer, sorry. I'm looking forward to checking out more of the classes as I play. I can definitely see myself starting more characters before I complete the game as the Barbarian, because all of them seem equally fun in different ways, depending on what you like. When I was playing with Liam, he was playing as the Necromancer, and as long as you're down for that type of gameplay, where you kind of are doing a hell of a lot of summons, really, then that's a fun play type as well. Although some of his offensive abilities are pretty cool. There's like a big scythe slash thing you can do that does a big A AOE of damage, so... Isn't there a blood spear thing as well? I didn't see that while I was playing. It was only briefly that I played with Liam, but yeah, no, as I say, I'm, I'm looking forward to probably starting one of each and just figuring out what they all do. Shouts to George. George is a necromancer as well in his solo playthrough. He is? Nice. But um, nice. the thing that I reckon is going to... Because, I mean, I'm, now that you've got it, I'll probably end up play, picking up a character with you at some point. I'm going to do a different class for that one. I'm going to probably play with George at some point. If we decide different, to start yeah. again, I'll do a different class for that one. So I reckon I'll get through them that way. I don't know if I'll play all five. Because what I don't want to do is start all five doing the same part of the game and then burn myself out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which complete I've done chapter one five times and never complete the game. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I'd rather play with my sorcerer through as like as a solo character and then pick up new characters with other people. And if I really like the class, I can then do another one or continue that one or whatever. That's probably yeah. how I'm going to do it. So let's talk a little bit about the new online play edition, which is the kind of the main shakeup since Diablo 3. Yeah, and the main reason that this game sucks. Yeah, honestly, right. it's my biggest complaint about the game. We've kind of talked a lot of praise yeah. about it. Let's get on to some of the more negative side of things. So yeah. what would you say is the uh, the biggest issue with the online elements in this game so far for you? The fact that it cut out when I was doing a stronghold last night and it was really irritating and then didn't work for the rest of the night. Yeah, okay. It sounds yeah. like we had the exact same issue. Yeah. Was that yesterday evening? Yeah, about, about 20 Maybe past about... 10. Yep, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so those, uh, those server issues, they're not kidding, huh? 
if it was a single player game or just had a multiplayer option i wouldn't have been dropped and i could have finished my stronghold yeah exactly that would have never been a problem exactly kicking you off's one thing i then couldn't get back into my game whereas if it had a solo element you could get kicked off the multiplayer by accident but then be like oh, i can still just go play my solo bit yeah being forced so, to actually fully put down the game for the night just because you can't play it in a game that is fully playable in single player mode is very annoying that it is one of its biggest uh biggest issues absolutely yeah and they did me dirty because they said like waiting in the queue less than five minutes or whatever so i just left it on went and did some shit, like you know made a drink whatever came back and it logged me in and it was like queuing and then just said oh, we can't log you in there's a login error yeah 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 no I, it did that to me twice before i gave up and i actually played some uh war zone out of spite <laughs> so yes that's that is one of the the biggest issues also as you mentioned there the kind of the time to wait five six minutes it was kind of a new thing to me at all starting your diablo game and it's pending you into a queue it very much feels like an mmo now in that sense and along that similar vein what you'll notice as you walk around towns once you've got through the prologue of the game is that there's actual other players wandering around the towns as well yeah and that's when you can have a lag spike as well yeah exactly that yeah i feel like there's different fields where it connects you to the online session and being in one of those towns or in the proximity of events which we'll get onto in a second but whenever it does that it triggers you into an online session and that's where the big lag spikes come in so you'll be approaching a town walking up to an event and all of a sudden you'll zip back across the map oh i've not had that i've just had it slows right down like i don't move or anything i'm just stopped sometimes they get jumped maybe like 15 feet backwards to where i was standing before oh wow i've not had that at all that's really bad the worst one i had was i got stuck in place and an enemy could still hurt me so i just saw my health going down and i'm like well, i can't move yeah it sounds like we're having different issues but because of the yeah. same reasons yeah so yeah being forced to play an online mode which occasionally lags and has issues like that whilst you're playing it can be a bit of a bummer but some of the new features that they've added like the events are actually a really cool side bonus to that so i really like the little events that pop off nearby towns and settlements where various other people online can just jump into them and they remind me of a little bit of the random events that would happen in destiny whenever you were in a certain part of the map you would have this timed event that would come in and all of the players in that session could just kind of pile in together and fight the objective yeah i mean they're also present in final fantasy 14 online as well was one of those sort of event type things where you could just pile in it's just mmo this is just diablo's just an mmo now <laughs> they've worked loads of mmo stuff into there absolutely no, i yeah. think it, it straight up is the fact there's a login queue as you say it is an mmo there's no single player element i guess the only thing to me that differentiates it from an mmo is the fact that it's not a consistent online connection like you'll see someone walk off and then they just disappear because yeah. they've gone back into their session but it is still a game that you're playing with a massive amount of people online yeah. <laughs> do you know what i mean like it ticks all the boxes apart from that really and often you could be forgiven for not even realizing that you weren't doing that except for the fact that occasionally players will just disappear but for the most part when you're wandering around towns it really does feel like you're playing something like world of warcraft with much more simpler controls to be fair i've played a lot of elder scrolls online and that is fully like integrated yeah and you still yeah. don't see people in the world all that much like if you're just getting on with what you're doing you never see them anyway so you re- it to me it just feels exactly like an mmo but just diablo style and i'm that's not a bad thing i'm kind of here for it no i like that element yeah. of it absolutely it's a very cool way to get a peek into what other people are doing with their characters as well when you get to see someone rocking a really cool item it makes you jealous makes yeah. you want it it's cool and the other thing that's quite interesting as well is you know because you can do titles and stuff now right you can yeah. i've seen a lot of people people like one of the ones i was thinking of doing was it was something like straight trash or like utter rubbish or yeah something like that and i saw a lot of people have done that they've done like rubbish ones mine for ages was little imp just because i thought it was funny now i'm frost nightmare because i'm edgy 
Now that's edgy as f I think I'm something like Lazy Lout. Yeah, Lazy Lout was one I was thinking of too. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. I don't know if it's lazy. And you earn these titles through doing various challenges that the game has running in the background, don't you? You kill a certain amount of enemies within a certain amount of time, or destroy various environmental objects, or level something up, upgrade yeah. a weapon, various things like that. Kill enemies using your abilities 500 times. Yeah, that type of stuff. So all in all, mate, good game. Really good game. Disappointed that I didn't have any faith, but pleased that I was proven wrong. It takes a big man to admit when they're wrong. I was wrong on this occasion. Okay, man, it's time to move on to the gaming news. So, at the time of recording, the Summer Games Fest 2023, hosted by Jeff Keighley, took place just yesterday on the 8th of June. The first time ever with a live audience. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, they actually had a crowd this time, which did make a difference to the event. There was less of a sort of a kind of a silent studio backdrop yeah. feel to it, where it felt a bit like a news station. This actually felt a bit more like something to celebrate about. And having those people in the background cheering on the things that they liked... It kind of had that slight E3 vibe, which uh, we'll obviously be missing this year, given the cancellation we announced earlier. And our man, Jeff Keighley, was looking particularly fly in a dark brown silk jacket with a black high-top trainer combo. Ooh, snazzy. Jeff, you're teasing us. We're always looking forward to seeing what pair of trainers and jacket combo Jeff's going around with this time. It was a kind of like a pattern-style blazer. It was looking very fancy and very mismatching as usual. <laughs> okay, man, so without further ado, I think it's time that we got onto some of the games that were covered over the Games Fest. So, starting off, we saw some introductory footage to Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown, coming out in January 18th, 2024. Didn't do much for me, this one. It's a step back to the side-scroller, which is, of yeah. course, the original format for the Prince of Persia games. Honestly, my main thing was, they've, like you say, they've gone back a little bit. Because I really liked, and I am going back a bit, admittedly, but I really liked Prince of Persia Sands of Time on the PS2. Yeah. Really yeah. enjoyed that game being 3D. Yeah, those yeah. games worked well like that. And there have been some subsequent titles, even past that trilogy of games, that kind of lived up to that as well. Although not all of them have been absolute bangers, I've got to say. There were some particularly yeah. difficult-to-play ones over the years as well. So we'll move on quickly to Street Fighter VI cross Exo Primal, where we saw a ridiculous-looking fight scene with Ryu fighting a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yeah, it reminded me of Alex from Tekken. <laughs> well, oh yeah, it's like yeah. obviously uh, it was yes, obviously minus the boxing gloves yeah. <laughs> and about sort of like you know a sixth of the size. But yeah. I see where you're going with it. Honestly, I was wondering just if we'll ever actually actually get to see more scenes like that. Capcom have been pretty famous for some of their more zany ideas in the past, uh, often showcased in games like some of the more recent Dead Rising titles. And I'm always looking forward to see what they're going to bring out. I did not expect to see Ryo fighting a Tyrannosaurus Rex. That that's for sure. Me neither, but they're crazy bastards. And it's a cool universe, Street Fighter. You're having a lot of fun with it. So we'll move on to Witchfire, which I guess I've got listed here as Bulletstorm with Demons. I think it was actually from some of the creators of Bulletstorm. And you'll see a lot of that reflected in the FPS-style combat. They looked like there was a lot of zipping around and movement whilst shooting. Yeah, I mean, for me, this was a bit of a... They misdirected me a little bit. So they had that opening stuff where it was just sort of running through the, the yeah. scene, if you like. And it was like, oh, this looks like it's going to be some bad ass f***ing demon like Dark Souls-y type game. Then it was an FPS and I was like ah, oh, that's a shame. Also looked very very vertical slicey in terms of what we get to see. Oh it's definitely a vertical slice. So yeah I think it's early days for that game. I'd like to see a lot more footage before I pay it much more mind than that. I was kind of, yeah as you say I was hoping for something a bit more 
unique. This looks very similar to Doom in a lot of ways. Yeah, with like a little bit of Van Helsing sprinkled in there as well. Yeah, right, yeah, with a bit more, yes, agreed, yeah, a bit more of that type flavour. We'll jump on next to Sonic Superstars coming out in full 2023. So they're actually, once again, very similar to Prince of Persia. They've ditched the 3D formula (laughs) now, and they've gone all the way back to another 2D platformer-style Sonic game, which honestly is the the type of Sonic games that I grew up playing. It's the ones that I'm most familiar with. And uh, it's probably the Sonic game that I'm most likely to play, although i got to admit, I am still very unlikely to play this. But I was pleased to see that they're still keeping the 2D versions of that game strong, at least. Yes, in hypocritical fashion, I'm going to agree with you there. I don't dislike Sonic, but I was never a Sonic guy, so this did nothing for me. It certainly sort of twinged some of my nostalgia, uh, my nostalgia beads there, for sure. Always weird to see advertisements for, like, if you sign up early or pre-register or whatever, you get, like, a special Amy skin, because (laughs) all of the characters are back in this game. It's Sonic, Tails, Knuckles, and Amy. And finding out that there's going to be skins for this game, it just seems a bit like why what yeah. is the point in these games hey what if you want a blue knuckles you ever wanted a, a sonic that looks kind of like tails hey skin for it so we'll move on to sandland made by the creator of dragon ball akira toriyama it's a 3d and vehicle combat based exploration game it looks like initially i was thinking this was going to be a game that resembled something like blue dragon or even maybe potentially dragon quest but this looks like it's much more action oriented instead you've got a range of vehicles that you can pilot you've got tanks you've got cars you can also fight on the ground as well looks very interesting well it's got pedigree being made by the guy that made dragon ball what that has to do with vehicle combat i don't know but i think that the art style looks very familiar oh nice so following the disappointing release of the lord of the rings golem game i was surprised to hear news of the lord of the rings return to moria which appears to be a sort of a dwarven crafting survival game that's based in the mines of moria and they call it a mine a mine In the game, we see a group of dwarves fighting what look like spiders, kind of like a large octopus thing that sort of resembles the thing that attacks the Fellowship as they make their way into Moria. And we also see some trolls as well. Pretty standard stuff. Yeah, very kind of standard fare. I think this game is certainly going to appeal to a very specific type of person. And I really do sincerely hope that the crafting mechanics are really well thought out and it does work out for this game. However, my expectations have been severely dropped. (laughs) It'll be interesting to see just how much this develops and interesting to see just how deep the systems go it's certainly got a lot of competition amongst the landscape of other survival crafting games yeah it'd be interesting do we know if it's the same people that made Gollum that are making this one no no it's not the same studio okay well hopefully that is a little reason to be a bit more optimistic seems brave especially fall 23 that's very soon yeah it's coming soon yeah yeah Uh, Some news that I'm a little excited about. There is a new map coming to Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 by the name of Vondel. So the new map looks like an absolute playground of fun. It almost resembles like some sort of party city. There's loads of buildings around, but there's large chess boards with chess pieces, what looks like football pitches and things like that. All sorts of environments that look a little bit more zany than what we're used to seeing in Ashika Island or Almazra. This one definitely looks like it's been put in for fun, and I can see that this one's going to be a popular favourite already. It looks like a very interesting map to explore 
I mean, like, I'm looking forward to exploring various things like the aquarium and museums that this area includes as well. It looks like it's going to be an interesting place to walk around rather than just sort of various uh, flats and buildings and banks and police stations and kind of usual city fare. This place looks a little bit more like a fairground. That could be really cool. So, James, I think it's time that we moved on to some of the larger titles that I'll be looking forward to this year. Yeah, and some even into next year. One in particular for the next year ones I'm very excited about is when we we've already spoken about on the show but they've actually finally put a f***ing date on it which makes it seem more real to me yeah absolutely Um, it's now no longer a fever dream power world shall we get on to it early access as of january 2024 so a lot of the images that we saw is very familiar stuff for those that have been keeping up with the development of power world it's certainly nothing new in terms of the gameplay that was released at this event but as you say having a date now aligned for that project is something to look forward to it finally feels like it's the other side of the hill rather than just some unspecified made-up project that's trolling everyone into thinking that there really is a game that's going to let you have pokemon and gatling guns and a farming sim (laughs) yeah it's all of them a goddamn animal crossing tacked on the side as well that's the thing i mean there's still time for it not to work don't get me wrong So that is definitely one to watch, and now we've got a date. It's something that we can look forward to playing early next year. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, James, it's time to talk about a title that I know we're both looking forward to, Remnant 2. Yes, Remnant 2. been following this one for, well, ever since it was announced at the Game Was it the Game Awards it was announced? And yeah, like they've been sort of releasing little teaser trailers as the way's gone on. You know, we've been looking at some of the classes, looking at some of the areas, and we just basically got a bit more of a look at all that sort of things. A few more enemies we saw. Yeah, I was liking the look of some of the enemy variation in the game i did specifically take note of a what looked like a horse mounted enemy attacking with a staff that looked particularly cool and distinctive from anything we've seen in the previous games yeah absolutely it also seemed like it took on a bit more of a like a, a techno punk style look as well at certain points in the game there were definitely certain levels and bits of scenery that reminded me of the matrix actually seeing these kind of rows and rows of what looked like pods amongst columns it almost made me think of the uh the kind of the nests that they had that they were locking everyone into the matrix in stuff that i wasn't necessarily expecting to see either yeah i know what you mean it it does seem like it's going in a slightly different direction than just the route although i do believe the route is still in it it definitely seems prominent absolutely but the thing that i was most impressed by because it was kind of new to me basically i've been following as i say was it looks like that the overworld's going to be a lot more populated and there's a lot more sort of random interactions that you can have in terms of when you're walking around the towns people might be sort of building stuff in the background or fixing it up like up ships and things like that it looks like it's a lot more alive and obviously the hub world in remnant one was just three rooms basically so it looked like it's a bit more dynamic which is cool yeah i think that that will definitely feel more a bit like you're putting yourself in the game especially if that sort of progresses as you play more of the game as well yeah but the only thing we didn't see is whether they put in a block or a parry mechanic and that's really that's really the I, i don't think they will have done personally i think they'll have kept it the same it does seem like a lot of the gameplay that i've seen nothing really wowed me in terms of this is completely new yeah. although we do know that the foundation for the game is stable and it is a good game at its core so unless they've drastically changed anything which it doesn't look like they have i think this one is definitely going to still play very well and i am intrigued to find out what the new classes do as well i want to check out this class that has the dog friend oh yeah man well i think the uh trailers and stuff are still all up on steam and youtube so go check it out yeah they've got character breakdowns i'm looking forward to getting hands on that oh yeah i am too (laughs) well we won't have long to wait it's coming out july 25th yeah which is a lot sooner 
sooner than I thought it was coming out. Good news. Good news all around. Okay, then let's move on to yet another title that I know both of us are excited about, The Lies of P, coming out on September 19th. A little later than they originally announced, however, they did announce earlier this week that they're taking a little extra time to put the effort into patching the game and doing last-minute bug and performance fixes. Which I'm absolutely all for. Don't release the game until it's f***ing ready. Everyone's looking forward to this. Yeah, absolutely. I'm certainly with you there. Take your time with this game and uh, release it in a good state. I was definitely hoping to see more of the game in this gameplay trailer. We got to see quite a bit of sort of more cinematic style footage that looked like it could be gameplay but taken from different angles. None of it really resembled true gameplay from an actual player perspective. So I would have liked to have seen more there. Again, with that kind of tucked in the back pocket criticism there that the game comes with like loads of bonus additions where you can get multiple skins for your P, essentially, your Pinocchio. And one of those skins even involves a kind of classic Pinocchio skin uh, where he even has the kind of like the yellow short hat, the rough, uh, and the, like the whole outfit. Yeah, interesting choice there. I think that I haven't seen anything too egregious in there that looks like it's going to affect gameplay. And I've really got my hopes up that this is just going to be a solid single player playthrough experience. Spider-Man fans will be excited. We finally got a confirmed release date for Spider-Man 2, October 20th, 2023, exclusive to the PlayStation 5. Boo. So, Boo. <laughs> yeah, it sucks that it's exclusive to the PlayStation 5. It'll come to 5. PC in like a year though, or two. Absolutely, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing this game release on PC. Sony is seeming to have now, at least in the uh, in short-term memory, a pretty good track record of finally releasing their games on PC. Come on, Bloodborne. Yeah. Come on, Ghost of Tsushima. And Demon Souls. And Demon Souls, are we just chucking them in yeah, now? It's just like a potluck of titles and we want Sony to release Sony. on the PC. If we throw enough of them out there, one might actually f***ing happen. <laughs> but no, yeah, uh, everything I've seen about this one looks really cool. Uh, you can obviously play as both Peter Parker and Miles Morales, I believe. It does look a little bit more of the same, but is that a bad thing? Probably not. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Is It is absolutely more of the same with much more polished mechanics and just varied extra stuff to do to expand your combos and moves and stuff. It's just giving you exactly what you want. Bit of a weird trailer here because I was expecting to see a little bit more of the game than we did see at some of the earlier previews. However, this was very much a short presentation where essentially the logo flashed up on the screen and then a date uh, (laughs) which was a bit odd because it all kind of cut to the cinematic trailer style thing. You thought you were in to see something cool and then it was just the Spider-Man logo and a date uh, and then a fade back to Jeff Keighley. So slightly un underwhelming yeah. but uh you know i guess people will look forward to finally having a confirmed date not long to wait october 20th there you go something would be amiss if we didn't mention the very exciting announcement right at the end of the show of the final fantasy 7 rebirth trailer a big relief for fans of the original final fantasy series coming nearly four years after the release of the original final fantasy remake we're getting a continuation of the journey in early 2024 Yes, and this, as you say, it's great news for people that are a fan of the series, and I'm happy for them, I truly am, but four years for a game that they've already split into three, right? It's like, goddamn, you're really making the people wait. They really are. Yeah. They've expanded the games, obviously, a lot since, much more than games like Resident Evil 4 or something like that, but a lot of people would argue that that is mostly filler content anyway. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting to see how this one goes. What I'm mostly interested to know is, does this finish the game? I have a feeling that it doesn't, and if it does then I look forward to another four 
four to eight years time when I have to download like 250 gigs oh, of Final Fantasy 7 to play the complete experience. Yeah, I don't think this will be because didn't they they said it's going to be a trilogy, right? In my mind, I'm wondering whether it's three or four parts. I believe the original game was four discs long and seeing as they cut the Final Fantasy remake off at disc one of the PlayStation version, I was expecting them to follow suit with that. Maybe but they Maybe will. they kind of cram the, the last two together. I don't know. I don't know. Apparently they made a botch of the pacing in the first game. So who f***ing knows what they're going to do with this second one. But if you're into it, I think this is a really cool announcement. Yeah, they just took their time getting around to it. Oh, massively <laughs> to their time. And it's still only early 2024. They haven't actually put a proper date on it. So could still be end of next year. We'll see. So we've got a few honourable or perhaps dishonourable mentions at the end of the show. There was a very weird scene where uh, <laughs> Nicolas Cage took to the stage to speak to Jeff Keighley about his appearance in Dead by Daylight coming July 25th. So uh, this felt a little bit like uh, obviously not quite as out of place as seeing Al Pacino on last year. <laughs> I look forward to watching some videos of what is actually going on this because we know that Nick Cage is a big horror fan. He said that his reasoning for getting into this game was because he has a close family member who's a big fan of the series and uh, I guess he kind of got roped into it doing that. Why not? And he'll probably be really good in it. He's, he's got that sort of recognisable voice as well. Have you ever been dragged to the sidewalk and beat until you're pissed blood? <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. It's probably a very good move, this. I'll be looking forward to seeing just how much content of Nicolas Cage you actually get for your bucks there, because when it actually cut to the gameplay footage, there was a lot of just Nicolas Cage running around and not saying anything. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I want to I wanna make sure that uh, we've got some one-liners from him in there as well. Oh, surely. Surely. Okay, man, did you have any other, other mentions for the game show that particularly stuck out for you? There were sort of two that I feel I should give a little bit of love to. The first one being uh, Yes, Your Grace Snowfall. I did actually play uh, Yes, Your Grace, the first game, because it was on Games Pass, and it was actually okay, quite a okay. good time. It looks like a game where you play as a king overseeing a kingdom. That sort of deal, yeah. You make choices and what to do, and then that has consequences which can affect the story going forward. Um, kind of RPG, but not in the sense that you play around as a character, but you do have stats and things like from memory at least could be a good time that i like the look of that game as well the, art the, sort of the pixel lovely. art style yeah. and the color color palette that they use in it is really nice yeah and and the the writing's pretty good from memory as well so you know shout outs to them hopefully the second one's just as good as the first one if not better um and the other one i just wanted to give a brief shout out to um is path of exile 2 because path of exile 1 was really good fun and you could legitimately play for completely free with no real drawbacks, even though they want you to buy stuff in it. And this is a game that resembles the Diablo series quite strongly. It takes a lot of tips from the Diablo series, I think, in terms of the way that the combat and gameplay works, right? Yes, but not so much in terms of the enemies and things, at least not the bits that I remember. I'd never got like super far in it, but it wasn't quite as demony. Very dark, very dingy. Action RPG style. I'm going to definitely be keeping an eye on that coming out on July 28th. Very nice. So, an exciting time all round for the Summer Games Fest 2023. Good job, Jeff Keeley. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good show. You're pretty good. I think it's time that we moved on to Completionist Corner, James. Here we go for the Completionist's Corner. So 
we pick up the continuing story of Undertale this week, having beaten Undyne, the king's top royal guard, at the end of last episode. Dusting ourselves off, we head onwards to the next area, the Hotlands. On entering a lab, we are greeted by a monster called Dr. Alphys, who is the Monster King Asgore's royal scientist. Dr. Alphys seems a very nervous sort, and she definitely wasn't expecting to see us so soon. So soon, you say? Alphys has been watching our every move on a computer screen, and after doing so since the ruins, she is actually now rooting for us, despite my character's murder spree across the land so far. Kind of up and down murder spree. Yeah, yeah, we we had to make some exceptions along the way. (laughs) With Alfie's help, we will be able to traverse the hot lands full of steam puzzles and monsters. Before we set off, Alfie's warns us of a creation she made a long time ago called Metaton. Metaton was actually a robot meant for entertainment. However, recently he has been installed with several anti-human combat measures, and in Alfie's own words, he is an unstoppable killing machine with a first for human blood. Our conversation is then interrupted by Metaton suddenly, and perhaps predictably, bursting through the wall. Yes, and this was... (laughs) It was quite sort of funny, this, because in this first encounter, at least, you don't get any sense that he is an unstoppable killing machine at all. Seems like a very useless robot. And this first sort of, I mean, mini-boss fight, I guess you'd call it, if you want to even call it a fight, really. It's kind of a puzzle it, fight, a, a gimmick gimmick boss fight. Yeah, yeah, it's a quiz, yeah. But it's a completely pointless quiz, because Alphys just gives you all the answers. Slowly, in the background, shaping out the letters that you need to do for the answers. It's quite cool. Except for one. One question. She I mean, doesn't like, she's like, no. It was a while before I noticed, and it was only when the questions got ridiculous that I actually started using Alphys. You know, the funny thing was, the first time I did it, um, I didn't see her doing it either. And I was actually doing quite well. Like, you know, the one where it's loads of decimal places on the 42 or whatever? I actually got that one right. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Just being yeah. complete guess. But then I noticed her, and I was like, okay, fine. So the second time I did it, obviously, it was fine. And then, similar to other boss fights in the game, in between these quiz rounds, you had the sort of standard fair mini game stuff but all in all quite good fun yes a good little introduction to our two characters that we'll be dealing with primarily throughout this portion of the game so we beat metaton chill with alphys for a bit and then before we leave she upgrades our phone with a few extra features more on that later on and from her lab we sort of walk out into the hotlands and we get our first glimpse of some of the stars of puzzles that we get around here just very briefly you have jumpy pads that sort of go over gaps or bits of lava yeah shooty steam jumpy pads and the puzzles remind me ever so slightly of the Silphco company puzzles in the Pokemon games where you have to walk and it kind of pushes you along the ground various directions and you have to make sure you follow the right route except that at each stop you get to choose a different direction to travel. And you get some cool equipment pickups here. This is where I found my weapon that I actually used until the end of the game from this point which was the burnt pan. (laughs) Oh okay. The reason I picked that is because it did 12 damage which was you know decent enough but not that it even mattered in my run but turns out I had one fight at the end and it was decent enough but it has a perk on it that gave you four extra hit points of healing per item used so an item that only healed 10 hit points will now heal 14 which when you've oh, only great, got 20 okay. hit points is really f-ing handy yeah absolutely yeah and some other puzzles that we saw along the way included uh, sort of moving lasers we had our old blue buddies where you don't move and we we're actually introduced to a new one here weren't we the orange laser which you have to be moving through otherwise it will hit you so complete opposite and obviously the puzzles that mix up the orange and the blue lasers forcing you to move and then suddenly stop moving with some of the ever so slightly more challenging 
challenging ones. None of this was really particularly hard, but kind of just adding another layer of gameplay to a game that really benefits from things like that. Yeah, exactly. And the orange and blue lasers mechanic comes into some of the mini games later, and that's where it really does show like some difficulty coming in. Yeah. But with this, it's all just sort of it's more of a almost tutorial on the go, so it's not yeah. too, it's not really too dangerous. So as we explore the hotlands further, we're plagued by messages from Doctor Alphys as as she has set us up on Hotlands' number one social media platform, and we are now constantly bugged by her random babbling. She's always updating that status, isn't she? Yeah, a lot of it is just about how she should be helping us, and it's clearly not helping us, because she's too busy messaging about helping us instead. Eventually she does help us, and with varying success at least, throughout this area, occasionally needing to dip out to attend to other things. She's a bit of a klutz, is our Alphys. Absolutely, and she dips out just when you need her the most as well, unfortunately. always the way, innit? So we work our way through this area until finally encountering a darkened room. Dr. Alphys calls us and offers to hack in and turn on the lights, and as she does, we're suddenly aware that we're on a set of a cooking show, (laughs) with none other than Metaton, the entertainment-providing slash human-killing machine, as the host. Yeah, once again, not really showing too many signs that he's a human killer at this point. He's just a pretty standard entertainer robot. Ah, well that's all about to change, James. We help Metaton get some ingredients together for our recipe. However, as the robot draws... (laughs) Draws out a chainsaw, he tells us the final ingredient is a human soul. Ah, there it is. Dr. Alphys thankfully interjects via a phone call to Metaton and suggests using a replacement ingredient, to which Metaton agrees. He won't make it easy for us though, as we only have 60 seconds to retrieve the alternative from a stack of kitchen cupboards all the way up to the ceiling. So with no hope in sight of ever doing this, we get a call from Alphys telling us to use one of the features she installed on our phone. The jetpack, because of course. Yeah, pretty standard feature for modern mobiles these days. Exactly. So using this, we manage to retrieve the ingredient whilst Metaton pelts us with a sword baking ingredients it's kind of like a mini game sort of in the overworld this so was kind of neat that's right yeah. yeah you're trying to avoid bullet hell which is actually in hindsight very similar to what the usual boss fights are yeah. just presented in a different way now although i must say i got hit a couple of times and it didn't seem to do anything it just slows you down that's all it really does yeah as long as you're getting absolutely hammered by those things you're gonna make the timer but no so we get the alternative ingredient and then we can progress onwards once more so as we continue to explore the hotlands we're ganged up by a group of royal guards who are pretty unwitting at that point. They don't really recognise me straight away and they kind of come back after suddenly realising and discussing between themselves that I resemble exactly the person they're after. And uh, at that point, I quickly dispatch them. Although I imagine, James, you following your non-killing route through this game, spared them. Oh yeah, absolutely. And the way you spare these two is you have to convince one of them to tell the other one about his true feelings. Oh yeah, (laughs) okay. And they end up sort of having a bit of a moment, or a broman. A broman, I like it. So following our double murder spree, we then enter another darkened room, and Alphys helps us turn on the lights once again. This time, we're standing in what appears to be a news station set, with Metaton obviously, once again, as the host of the show. Yes, just as cheesy as ever this one. So we're told of a breaking story where timed bombs have been set up in the next area and our character needs to run around defusing the bombs before they explode. However, it was never going to be fair, was it? And predictably, we're unable to defuse all the bombs in time. And you get like five things, but then it's always the last one. But luckily, whilst Metaton has spent all his attention on monologuing, Dr. Alphys was on the case disarming the main bomb in the background. So having done all that, we work our way through some more steam and block-moving puzzles before we finally enter the lair of Muffet, the spider boss of the game. 
And this is a very interesting one to begin with because right at the start of the game there was a spider buffet with outrageously priced goods. It's part of the lore in this game that the spiders produce various pastry goods. And I've read in looking up my bit last week that if you bought that at the start of the game, you can avoid this boss fight entirely. So I don't know whether it was necessarily that item or whether it was one that I bought slightly later on, but in my fight with this character, around halfway through, another spider comes up to her and gives her a note that says that actually there was a time when I bought something off one of the spiders, and that did make her spare me. So I was able to get through that one around three quarters of her health, although I imagine that there are ways to do that without having to damage her so much before that spider shows up yeah fair you see i actually found this the hardest boss fight in the game weirdly i would definitely agree with you it's crazy i had no healing items really i had three in my inventory so in the end i had to go backtrack right the way to the last shop and get some stuff yeah i had to do the same i struggled on this not so much because it was hard at first because at first it was relatively okay but by the time you get to the end there's so much stuff going on and she turns your heart purple which basically means you can only jump between three lines so it becomes pretty much purely about avoiding but then every three rounds or so she has a pet that tries to eat you as well that's right and it becomes a game of trying to outrun the pet as it slowly swallows the stage you've got to keep pressing upwards to get away from it whilst also avoiding the things that are on the lines that you're trying to move above because i think i had to do it three times i had to get past the pet three times before she let me go because i didn't buy anything off her because i was saving all my money for health items and they were too expensive and yeah this took me ages this one i definitely died to this the most out of anything in the game Shortly after defeating slash being spared by Muffet, we leave the web lair and enter what looks like the outside of a theatre show. We continue on and find ourselves standing at the bottom of a balcony where Matterton appears in a Romeo and Juliet-esque scene, complete with an oddly ominous serenade about our impending doom. Yeah, with a lovely blonde wig to go with it. Yes, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Very disturbing, that droid. Great character, though. But after this uh, monologue and serenade, uh, Metaton drops us through a trapdoor into a dungeon and we face another colour puzzle, very similar to the one designed by our good friend Papyrus last week. To make matters worse, Metaton doesn't feel we need a reminder of the endless confusing rules of the game. So time to reach back into our minds for this one. We're also given a 30 second timer and a wall of flames closing on us to really up the tension. But as with pretty much all of Metaton's puzzles, we're destined to fail. But we're once again saved by the tardy hacking genius Dr. Alphys. She urges Metaton to stop fighting, but he insists on the battle. And so we move into, I guess, technically phase four? Yeah, Metaton phase four. (laughs) So we start this battle, and Alphys helps us yet again by telling us about another useful device she installed on our mobile phone. This device allows us to turn our player heart yellow in the combat minigame, and we can now use it to shoot electricity at the enemies whilst we fight and avoid them. I didn't clock it was electricity. I thought it was just bullets. Well, I, I just kind of assumed it was, it was electricity. It was yellow. Yeah. I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was. I could be wrong. <laughs> Uh, So we use our newfound bullet slash electricity powers to start shooting at Metaton, and after defeating him, we thank Alphys for her help. Alphys confesses she'd always thought she was a screw-up, but by allowing her to help us, she's gained some confidence and now feels better about herself. We take the next path and end up at a restaurant in the MTT Resort, where Sans is standing outside. He asks us to join him for dinner, and after agreeing to this, he thanks us for treating him. Very assumptuous of him indeed, this was. Sans tells us a story from long ago about a strange 
strange door he found in the woods back in Snowdon, whilst looking out for humans. Whilst he was there, he came across the door that we actually entered through the ruins from from Toriel's house back in the day, and he sort of heard a woman there, and got to know her a bit by trading knock-knock jokes through the door. They formed a bond, telling jokes for days and days, again and again, but one day, she appeared, seemingly more serious than usual. The woman asked Sans for a single favour, that if he ever sees a human come through the door, that he would look over and protect. Yeah, it's, yeah. So at this point, I started to ask myself, is this woman Toriel? As James mentioned, it was the same door. So at this point, I think we can safely assume that that woman that he met was Toriel. Yes, and I did clock it was Toriel straight away, but it would made me think of Toriel in a different, even more of a like funny light because when you first meet Toriel, you don't expect her to be cracking like knock knock jokes and stuff. She doesn't. Seem Not like necessarily, that no. Good with children, but not yeah. quite jokey in that way. No, so when I when this came into it, I was like, oh, hell yeah. So after our restaurant meal with Sands, we stock up on healing items and upgrade our equipment once more before heading through the resort and into the core. Dr. Alfies calls us to help us through, and as we enter, we see shadowed figures moving further into the building. Alfies doesn't recognise the shapes, and she says there's not supposed to be anyone there, actually. We fight slash spare our way through a bunch of monsters and pass more laser traps in order to find a switch unlocking the exit. However, just before we make our way out, we're confronted for the fifth time by Metaton. Face yes, five, that's right. Baby. The fifth time. <laughs> yeah, and this one was uh, an actual fight. No gimmick this time. Well, I mean, well, there's sort of a gimmick still. Initially. <laughs> initially, yeah. Yeah. Metaton reveals it's actually Alphys who has been setting us up and causing us to complete traps and fight Metaton, in hopes of making us think her helping us would convince us to stay with her and not leave. After fighting Metaton for a bit, it's clear that our yellow heart shots don't affect him. He was just acting before to support Alphys. You see, interestingly, I thought that was all a like, ploy from him to like just make us hate her. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. He but, kept on calling it he was acting. He's like, don't you recognise acting? <laughs> <laughs> After fruitlessly fighting for a while, Alphys calls us and tells us there's a switch on his back which we can press to deactivate him. Where was that advice before, Alphys? Jeez. Yeah, that would have been on. a lot handy a few boss fights ago. So they kept that one quiet when we were f***ing on a cooking show and we could have done it super easily. But armed with this important piece of information, we trick Metaton into turning around by telling him there's a mirror behind him. As his vanity causes him to turn in excitement, we flick the switch and defeat him. Or do we? Oh, yes. So now the still yet to be defeated Metaton has entered his EX phase. He has been unleashed from his cuboid computer shell and is now an all singing, all dancing android. Yes, complete with lovely hair. Yeah, he's got a very nice quiff. We use our powers to avoid and shoot through Metaton's attacks and shoot at his weak points. This fight is a little different, where there's an alternative to the usual health bar we have to drain before we defeat most enemies. When you say we, we mean you. Oh yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. More me, yeah. We also now have a TV ratings bar where the ratings increased based on various actions that we perform in the fight, such as attacking, being hit by one of Metaton's attacks, and also using certain items. For instance, the glam burgers that are available for purchase at the shop before this boss fight become actually really useful here, because as well as restoring lost health points, they also boost your TV show ratings due to the on-brand significance. And there wasn't much fighting in mine at all. I was just doing the um, boast act constantly. Oh yeah, yeah. Which yeah, basically means if you don't get hit, you get like your rate, your ratings just constantly go up and they slow right down if you get hit. 
Sure so thing. I was I was just trying to not get hit, and I was having relative success with all of them, bar like one of the four or so mini games you can get with him. Mm. The easiest being the disco ball. Yes, agreed. Yeah, absolutely. You're just waiting for the one to come across, and if it's orange, you just got to turn it blue so you don't have to move. Exactly. Yeah. So after defeating Metaton once and for all, we make our way to the elevator leading up to the king. Alphys appears worried for Metaton, but as it turns out, it's just his batteries that need replacing. So all good, really. No harm done. So we leave, and Alphys follows us to the elevator to the king. On the way there, she tells us that she lied earlier, and that a human soul isn't enough to break the barrier keeping the monsters underground. You also need a combined monster soul as well. If we want to go home, we'll need to kill King Asgore. We ride the elevator and follow the path through a cityscape, a very grayscale cityscape, where we end up in a place called New Home, which is just a mirror image of Toriel's house from the start of the game, just grey. In this place, we can find a lot of references to things we've encountered on our journey and a few more story beats if you go looking around. Just like nice little cutscenes you get. And basically all we do here is pick up two keys, go down into the basement. So as we explore this house, we get told a story by the monsters where a long time ago, a human child fell into the ruins and was injured. They called for help and were heard by the king's son, Asriel. Asriel brought the child back to the king's castle and over time, the human child and Asriel became best of friends. The king and the queen treated the human child like their own, and the underground was full of hope. One day, the human child became very unwell, and the sick human had only one last request, to see the flowers of their village one last time, but the monsters were powerless to help being stuck underground. The next day, the human died, and Asriel, racked with grief, absorbed the human soul. He transformed into a being with incredible power, and with the human soul, he crossed the barrier and carried the human's body into the sunset, back to the village of the humans. Asriel eventually reached the centre of the human village. There, he found a bed of golden flowers, and carried the human onto it. Suddenly, screams rang out. The villagers saw Asriel holding the human's body and assumed that he had killed the child. The humans attacked Asriel with all they had, as he was struck by blow after blow. Asriel had the power to destroy them all, but he didn't fight them. Holding the human, Asriel smiled and just walked away. And just a little point here about this bed of golden flowers that Asriel placed us on. Keen-eyed people will actually remember that this was the bed of flowers that we woke up on at the very start of the game. And the one that we fell on when we went into the trash chute as well. So after being attacked, wounded, Asriel stumbled home to the underground. He entered the castle and collapsed and died, his dust spreading across the garden. The kingdom soon fell into despair and the king and queen had lost two children in one night. The humans had once again taken everything from the monsters, and the king decided it was time to end their suffering from then on. Every human who falls into the cave from that point must die. With enough souls, the demons can shatter the barrier forever. As the story ends, we continue down a corridor and enter a very decorated hallway before bumping into a very familiar shadow. It looks like Sans. The figure greets us, goading that we finally made it. Our character is told that they will be judged based on our every action during the course of the game, for every EXP earned, every LV gained. Sans reveals to us at this point that EXP and LV are acronyms. They don't mean experience points and levels, like the monster Flowey told us at the beginning of the game. EXP actually means execution points, and those LVs that Will has been earning the whole time aren't skill levels, they're levels of violence. Oh jeez, I've been misled. Are we the baddies? <laughs> 
We're asked to take a moment to think about this whilst we're being judged. So this was quite the revelation there. It turns out that uh, we're not earning levels, we're executing people, and we're not gaining experience. You're executing people. There's no (laughs) we in this. I didn't kill a single thing. So, uh, yeah, this is the bit where the game kind of turns it around on you if you've been following my route, which is to kill most of the enemies in the game. And, uh, yeah, at this point, I was feeling pretty shocked, I got to say. Yeah. It's kind of, it's a, quite an interesting, I guess, comment on the situation that obviously as you kill more enemies, it becomes easier because of the fact that you gain more uh, levels of violence yeah. uh, to the point where you gain more health points so you can take more hits and you're able to, you know, withstand more of that trauma as well as inflict more trauma because you deal more damage. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's yeah a point to be made there and uh, one that I definitely did not clock until I had it laid out for me like Sans did. No, and it's not something I ever engaged with, but I was like, ah, that's cool. That's a nice <laughs> twist. I'm glad I didn't do any of that stuff. Yeah, the game definitely uh, it definitely pulls a bit of a, uh, a last-minute spin on you there. Exactly. The shadowy, Sansy figure then disappears, and we're left to roam another hallway. And just before you go on, Will, it's worth noting that in the true um, genocide run, you'd actually fight Sans there. Oh, do you, right? And apparently okay, it's yeah. one of the hardest fights in the game. Again, as we mentioned last week, there's a few ominous moments that he has. He kind of, his face changes. And that absolutely happens a few times during that cutscene. You wonder whether he's going to suddenly turn on you. <laughs> uh, cool to see that, uh, that there is actually a time and a place for him to actually do that as well. In one room down the hallway is the throne room. However, if you carry on a bit, you can also find another room full of coffins marked with different coloured hearts, with the red coffin, the colour of our hearts, being marked with the player name we chose at the start of the game. Yeah, ominous. Yeah, it's always a bit worrying to find a coffin with your name on it. Yeah. Heading back, we enter the throne room and are met by another cow-like monster, slightly resembling Toriel. This time, it's our king, who is actually Asgore. Yeah, as Will's just said there, Toriel with a beard. Toriel with a beard, slash King Asgore, <laughs> is actually humming to themselves and watering the flowers in their garden. Yeah, and what colour are those flowers? It would have to be golden. So, as he turns to us, resolute, he says that we know what we must do, obviously meaning killing him and absorbing his soul, in order to break the barrier and escape the underground. We follow Asgore walking through a corridor into a room where we can see the barrier stopping the monsters from escaping, and the fight begins. Yes, and this is actually, for me as well, a fight. Because notably, at the start of this game, he immediately destroys your mercy button in the game. And there's, I don't think, any actions you can do. I think you can talk to him, but I don't think there's anything you can do to disarm the situation, no. No, you actually have to damage him enough to where... He succumbs to you, essentially. Yeah, yeah. basically giving up. And uh, so this is where I was first introduced to the sort of golf swing-esque perfect timing mechanic that Will spoke about last week. And uh, I kind of struggled with it at first because it's not quite... Like, it's all random. It's not rhythmic. The speed that the attack goes varies. So, yeah, it's not a predictable pattern each time. Yeah, so I was, like, struggling with the timing a bit at first, but but got used to it quite quickly and was actually able to beat this boss first time um, because other than me having a new fight mechanic that I wasn't aware of. It was pretty similar fare to the rest of the fights we'd had. A few notable attacks, but, you know, nothing that we haven't seen before, really. No, for the most part, it's just avoiding various projectiles and not really much that changes up from there. But it is a very solid fight. And i got to say, actually, the first fight in a while that I'd actually enjoyed yeah. as well, perhaps that wasn't because I really struggled through it. But, uh, yeah, I did find this fight quite enjoyable. Yeah, the one thing that really helped me with this fight was uh, the fact that he could never seem to kill me in one hit. 
I don't know if it's something to do with the the way the fight's scripted or whatever, but if I had over half health, I would always end on one health, no matter what my number was, if you said me. So I don't know if there was always a sort of slight bit where you have to heal back up and you can't kill you in one shot, or maybe it was just my luck. But that helped a lot, so I was able to just keep on top of the healing items. As I say at this point, plus four to all my healing stuff. So I was just getting full health again using each item, so it was great. And interestingly, in this fight, if you eat the slice of butterscotch pie in front of him, his attack drops. Oh, really? Okay, that's because, interesting. Because uh, Toriel made it, and he's obviously Toriel with a beard. So after defeating the king, he falls to the floor and recalls the day Asriel, his son, died. He waged war on the humans and wanted to use their souls to escape and become a god. His wife, however, began to detest him for his warmongering and pursuit of power, and the queen left the king and was never seen again. And at this point, it's probably fair to say that it's heavily implied that Toriel was the queen. Which explains her warmth towards the uh, the human child as well, her, you know, obviously. And not wanting to let the human child out into the monster world. Absolutely, knowing yeah. the risks. So you not only did you kill a lovely character, Will, you also killed the queen of the monsters. I did. So, with one final blow after the king recounts his story, I smite the king. Yeah, and I spared him, and uh, he just sort of wanders off and got a slap from Toriel, basically. And, she uh, tells him off, and then... They really they don't get of... on, yeah. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> so suddenly, after killing the king slash sparing the king, Flowey, the monster at the start of the game, appears from the darkness, laughing evilly. He tells us that we have finally understood his words at the very beginning of the game. In this world, it really is kill or be killed. I got I got the whole, have you learnt nothing? <laughs> the game then crashes as an ominous sound rises. So James, I'm interested to see, how did the Switch handle this? Because you were playing this on the Switch. On a PC, it's pretty easy to replicate computer glitches and things. Yeah. Did the Switch account for this? Or how did it yeah, work? Did it just yeah. take you back to the menu? No, I imagine it did exactly the same thing yours did. It was just glitching about a bit. No, but did the game close? Because my game literally, it, it like crashed. It, it closed and you have to, to literally open the game again. Go into Steam and open the oh, game Oh, Okay, no, mine... It crashed, but it just instantly just reset the game. So it didn't actually leave the game. Oh, I see what you mean. No, my, I, yeah, yeah, I was interested to see, because the game is it's meant to start freaking you out at that point, almost yeah. like a creepypasta, like your game's haunted or something. So yeah, you get all sorts of weird computer glitches. Uh, sounds like you had the same thing. I was just wondering yeah. how the Switch mitigated it. There's no way that Nintendo would let you intentionally crash a game on one of their consoles in the yeah. same way. Oh, no, no. It just um, it fades to black, and then it just goes back to the opening credits. Fine, you have to fine. go back to the menu. So on booting up the game again it appears to glitch yet again and eagle-eyed players will notice that the game window on pc has actually now changed to flowery tail instead of undertale and a lot of the text on the main menu screen now just appears glitched reading flowery or showing our lv slash level of violence and playtime as 9999 recurring so at this point we can click continue on the menu screen and our player enters a dark room with a single save point on clicking the save point flowery bursts into view with a large howdy we are once again terrorised by him, who tells us that we did well to kill the king and that he will soon become a god, as he now has six souls and he needs a seventh, our own soul, to become the god. Yeah, that's basically how it played out for me, but without the telling us about how we did well to kill the king bit. Right. <laughs> he, basically, he basically just called me out for being too nice, but then same thing happened. Fine, he wasn't praising your violent performance the whole time. No, no, he was just like, why, why are you such a... 
fucking wet blanket. At this point, Flowey then uses the souls to transform into an absolute abomination with vine-wrapped claws, human-style dentures flapping uncontrollably, and what appears to be a mass of tentacles with eyes, topped off with a creepy flickering TV screen in the centre showing disturbing images of faces. So this is actually called Photoshop Flowey, and it's a very accurate description. It really does look like someone's just taken snippets of various images and kind of glued them together to make a monster. Very weird looking, and odd but still yeah. fitting with the game somehow yeah and like the dentures were kind of beaky in a way yes each row of teeth was like a separate teeth it, yeah exactly yeah this was a pretty manic fight wasn't it really manic fight honestly this was my least favorite fight of the game i was i was really ready to complete this game let's just say by the time i got to that point and the fact that me i was too, finding buddy. this Don't get me wrong. so hard to do it was tough this one i gotta say i i had gone past not enjoying the game anymore and i wanted to really get it done at this point <laughs> and it, the fact that it was so challenging made it all the more worse <laughs> now see this is interesting did you have any way out of sort of the attacks because i agree the attacks are brutal but i had like every so often he'd drop the act button yes that's right during certain of the mini games you have to click on the act mini button and then it provides you with an opportunity to recoup your health to and heal, do some damage yeah. yeah so i did have that but uh, i gotta be honest it was giving me my health top up in between but i was finding just keeping my health throughout the mini games really hard those were for sure the most difficult mini games to avoid the projectiles flying at you sometimes it just felt almost impossible and almost like you had to take hits although i'm sure that if i watched a pro playthrough of this there is a no damage speed run somewhere that's perfectly plausible but yeah i was the same i was getting hit a lot in this but because i, I was able to heal and i got the impression that you weren't really meant to lose this fight like at, oh. no, at no point did i die i died a lot to this fight a lot no, but i, don't I mean know I, was... I died once i never seemed to get hurt like enough to die i don't know i was clearly getting hit I just, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, weird. I don't know whether there was some sort of modifier there based on how many enemies you've killed or what, but yeah. or maybe you're just a super elite gamer at uh, those old school dodging projectile puzzles. Maybe. You need to get back into Vampire Survivors, my friend. I think you've <laughs> uh, got a calling for something like that. Maybe, yeah. An odd one, this, because you didn't really have the same border. Um, like, you know, previously we've been in basically a square to do our mini games. This was the whole screen. Like, it was That's a right, big yeah. Fight. So this was, a, well, it sounds like for you a fairly smooth experience. For me, it was like a long drawn out experience over the course of multiple hours <laughs> oh really oh damn no i did this uh like yeah within 15 20 minutes because it's a long fight long fight because there's six phases for each of the souls yeah yeah i'm really sorry to hear you struggled with it so much <laughs> you, i can't i want to ask you was it more brutal than my one was but obviously you don't know what i did like yeah yeah i but, would need to try i, I guess like, the only way to answer is uh you to do a, a neutral run of this game although i've got to say as much as i have enjoyed this game overall i'm gonna go ahead and do a little bit of a, an early game review here uh i i can't see myself going back and playing this game multiple times to get all the endings i was very happy with my one playthrough one and done and i, <laughs> I think that actually ultimately the game's kind of intended to be played that way i don't think it wants you to do every single possible ending 100 percent it yeah well i mean there's no achievements on the switch so i've, I've no <laughs> i would it's, it's, it's a tough one we'll get into it more at the end for me because like, there's some stuff i want to say to that but if saying so now we'll spoil later so at this point i'll start to wrap up my side of the story because i understand that james's goes on a little further than mine due to the nature of the different endings 
So, following the most difficult battle in the game for me, and after dying countless times again for me, <laughs> eventually we turn the six souls against Flowey and defeat him. We have one last opportunity to spare Flowey before killing him for good, which I took the opportunity to do. <laughs> and as we look back at him, he appears as just a regular flower as we walk through the exit and the game ends. Not for James, though. No. James, tell me your alternative reality when you don't just go around murdering everyone. <laughs> so, as I've sort of intimated at the start there, for the most part, to this point, it's been pretty similar. I did have the big fight with Flowey. Um, at the end, I just chose to spare him. And I believe it was at this point where I literally had to click spare about 20 times. Oh, right. So you can, because I clicked yeah. spare quite a few times as well, and it felt like the game really doesn't want you to spare him. No, yeah, it was, it was quite a while. But eventually you can you can get him spared. And I only persevered really, truly, because this game has thrown up so many opportunities. It was like, I can believe that they do this. Yeah, yeah, fair. A slight spoiler for the genocide ending is there is one point if you want to start your game again, you have to wait on a black screen for 10 minutes, real time. Do you really? Wow. Before, okay. before a character speaks to you and you can reset your game. <laughs> um, so they, they've got form for this. So I, I just kept pressing spare. And eventually I was able to actually spare Flowey. And what happens there is I did get credits. So I did get like, you know, made by blah, blah, blah. But then, so at this point I restarted my game and I sort of was, I was back at the lab and uh, I just sort of thought to myself, I'm going to go visit some of my peeps, see what they're saying. So, you know, I went back to Snowden. I went to straight to Papyrus's house, obviously. Of course. And actually Undyne was there as well. And she had a letter that she wanted me to deliver to Alphys. It turns out that she hadn't written her name on it. So it was just a letter just like exclaiming feelings for Alphys. Right. And I, so I ended up going to Alphys' lab. I can't go into the lab because the door's closed. So I slipped the letter under the door. Ah, I saw a note that says that the door looks like it has a space that you could slide yeah. something underneath it. Okay, right. So right. you can't even do that on your first playthrough. Interesting. No, but I did that. I slipped it under the door and Alphys, because it doesn't have a name on it, thinks that the letter's from me. So she thinks that I have feelings <laughs> for her. And so long and short of it is I end up going on a date with Alphys, but she's really only doing it to sort of placate me because obviously I'm a child right yes and yeah, so yeah. and it's like the most awkward day ever as you can probably imagine because Alphys is quite awkward and it ends up with us being back in the, the garbage place Okay. And Undyne comes down looking for um, Alphys. And Alphys is like, I can't be seen on a date with you. Because she has feelings for Undyne too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so she hides behind a bin. And I have a little chat with Undyne and basically, you know, say, oh yeah, she's back at her lab. Just go check it out. <laughs> and uh, me and Alphys <laughs> nice, finish off. Nice, nice. It's good, good wingman yeah. for uh, Alphys though. Exactly. And um, the end of the date with Alphys is basically me convincing her to tell Undyne how she feels. And so she... Oh, you you're know, playing Cupid as well. Yeah, exactly. So it's pretty nice this. But no, so at this point end the date she's gonna go tell undyne how she really feels but she needs to go back to her lab first to you know sort herself out or whatever so i actually follow the lab too and i you know the door that you slipped the left that you said you saw the gap under that you can't do anything with that's now open okay. and i actually end up going to a whole new area called true laboratory oh and down, okay cool. and down here you get like just a bit more law is it a genuine true new area with new enemies yeah, yeah. and things like that yeah, oh, yeah, wow, yeah. Cool, new mini cool. bosses and stuff but they're, they're sort of gimmick bosses you're not really fighting at this point you can spare them quite easily it's all very story stuff because because Asgore is kind of the kind of the final boss right hmm. or Flowey is should I say so all you're doing here is you collect four keys and there's four mini bosses but really it's 
quite simple, just very simple puzzles, and you spare them all. And eventually, you get cornered in a room. It looks like a whole line of them is about to eat you. And right. Alphys comes down and is like, "Oh no, sorry, they're just hungry. I need to feed them." Because the law that you find out down here is that Alphys has been working on trying to split the quality of the human soul out that makes it able to sustain. Because monster oh, okay. souls, when they leave the body, they just disappear straight away. Fine, fine. And it turns out, and I don't know if you'll have gotten all the text for this throughout the game because you were killing stuff, but you notice how whenever you save, it's like you you are more determined or whatever. Yes, you get this kind of flavor text of like seeing the castle in the distance fills yeah. you with determination. Or early on, there's a lot of like weird mice and cheese scenes. So it's yeah. like seeing one day that the mice might be able to power on the microwave and defrost the cheese fills yeah. you with determination. Yeah, and it turns weird out things like that. Yeah, and it turns out that Alphys has deduced that determination is what makes the human soul persist. Of course. So okay, she's right. been trying to extract determination <laughs> from the human soul, implant it in monster souls to make them persist, but has had loads of different effects, basically melting loads of people, evaporating them, oh, all geez, sorts of crazy okay. stuff. Not really sure on the ethics of these experiments. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Al- Alphys has just been doing this all for Asgore, right? But anyway, you learn all this. Alphys saves you and does sort of admit to it. And at this point, there's another lift in the laboratory which you take, and it takes you back to New Home. So the area where Asgore was. Yeah, the kind of copy of Toriel's house. Yes, and at this point, if you go back to the throne room, you're greeted by Flowey once again. Oh, Flowey's claim the throne. Not quite. Flowey reveals his true identity. None other than Asriel, the son oh, sh- of okay. Toriel and... Um, Asgore. That is a big revelation. You sort of get this revelation after he's set in play a motion where all of your friends throughout the game, so Alphys, Papyrus, Sans, Toriel, Asgore, they're all there in the room with you. And Flower uses this opportunity to capture them all, reveals that he's um, Asriel, and then you have the final fight. And this one is very much a fight that you can't lose because what happens is you just you try and like spare talk to whatever you're doing and Azriel just keeps attacking you um but if you die which you will your heart breaks like it does in a death scene but then just gets put back together and okay, you carry yeah. on and Azriel's like yeah. what the hell's going on how are you doing this and basically the power of friendship is oh, stopping you of course because you're determined <laughs> to say you're so determined to save your friends that you are there and you just keep you on regenerating die. you can't die and eventually you get the option to save as part of one of your actions each character has their own mini game type thing that if you've been paying attention to the dates and like interactions you've had with them it's just obvious answers and then you can save them eventually you save all of them defeat asriel and asriel turns from an evil sort of demonic goat-like being with wings and stuff in phase two and like craziness turns into a little baby like child toriel <laughs> slash asgore with a stripey t-shirt on and you have a really nice interaction with it with him so at this point you also find out your true your real name and it turns out your real name's frisk and uh yeah and you have like a really touching scene with asriel you're basically your friends for a bit and then he's like i'm gonna turn into my evil form again soon so so what's up and you get like a really nice then end to the game where you're in a room with all your friends and you can talk to them all and you just have like really nice bits of dialogue from them all. And then you get the choice of what you want to do. And uh, I chose to break the barrier and everyone left for the outer world and started a new life on topsoil. And the very final bit was Toriel saying, what will you do now? And I said, the two options were, I, I don't, you know, I'm just going to go live my life or I want to stay with you. I chose, right, okay. I want to stay with you. And she went, oh, well, if you just said that right at the start, we would have saved us a lot of trouble, wouldn't you? And then there was a <laughs> Then, <laughs> that is yeah, very true it's very true <laughs> and then we just held hands and walked off into the sunset 
Lovely. Yeah, I know. I did not get such a nice, satisfying finale ending as you. No. So it was it was probably an extra half an hour, 40 minutes tacked onto the end of the game. But I got the impression for all of it that at no point was I meant to die. It was just very much a story, like nice ending. Yeah, yeah. And I believe that is the true canon ending of Undertale. I can believe it. Yeah, it sounds like the most satisfying ending. I've heard that the game is pretty punishing if you do actually go for the full genocide run. I heard that, yeah, uh, yeah the game does not reward you for that run whatsoever so <laughs> no, that's where you get that 10 minute screen well man that was quite a wild ride do you have any sort of takeaway thoughts from the game yeah so really th- i can sum the game up very nicely by saying that it starts off really slow and i was very bored i won't lie i really didn't enjoy probably the first two hours of this game three hours maybe but the final two three hours the challenge just ramped up. The story became ama- like super amazing. The story was really what was keeping me going because it was quite mm, good throughout. Mm. But it became so good at the end. Like that twist with Asriel and Flowey. Didn't see that coming at all. So I ended up really enjoying the game. But as you've sort of intimated earlier, I'm very glad that I did the pacifist run because I don't think I'll play it again for quite some time if at all yeah it's a very taxing yeah. game mentally it is a taxing game it's it's definitely not an easy game no, and not at uh, all. yeah especially with 20 of... health <laughs> yeah yes it takes a lot of getting good and a lot of patience in terms of that and being that the combat is so simplistic it's yeah. very easy to screw up and quite difficult to to get very good at so for me personally yeah I, I can't see myself picking this one up anytime soon again although i would say my overall experience was good yeah, I would I would agree with that. I think overall I ended up coming away with a very good feeling about this game, but it was a very, very slow burn for me. Interestingly, I came from a different angle, actually, where I was really enjoying engaging with the game, speaking to everyone, checking out all the items and walking around and exploring. For the first two thirds of this game, it was only when the challenge of the combat started to get to a level that I started to really struggle that it started to put me off because I was enjoying the storyline. I wanted to progress with it and I wanted to find out the ending, but there were genuinely times in this where I was like, God damn, am I ever actually going to finish this game or am I just going to have to like watch a YouTube ending? I did worry in the like Muffet that. fight. It, it was tough. I did worry in that Muffet fight. Yes. Yeah. The Muffet fight for me, but also the, uh, that uh, final flowy Photoshop flowy fight was, yeah. was really tough for me as well. I think you must have had something slightly different because I can't believe that we have such different experiences with that boss. This game oozes love and attention for yeah. the game itself. There's more than a handful of references in there to other video games and there's just a whole lot of love has been put into this title. Couldn't agree more. It's just very, very lovely, wholesome fun. If you've got patience for the slow start yeah. and then the cripplingly difficult bosses <laughs> at the okay james i think that about rounds us off for completionist corner and for the episode so with that said before we close out the episode let's lay out the socials you can as always find the podcast on spotify apple podcasts and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for total pod mode we also post regular video content of our playthroughs stream highlights as well as the podcast on our youtube channel total pod mode you can also find us on twitter by searching for at total pod mode or one word and whilst you're there you can find me at mr bames and i'm also on twitch under twitch.tv forward slash mr bames underscore tpm and you can find me at hudafunk on twitter and i'm 
also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash hoodafunk. So with all that said, James, I want to give a very special thank you to our listeners. And I also wanted to say that we're really trying to grow our social media presence. So if you haven't already, don't forget to drop us a like and a subscribe on our videos, Twitter channels, and amongst other social media that we just listed. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for all of your support. And we're really looking forward to hearing from you soon. I appreciate you. Take care, everyone. Thanks again, everyone. <laughs>